it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern, to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. I'm Dave Ahern and Andrew Sather is here. Tonight, we're going to talk about REITs. We have episode 33 tonight, and we're going to talk a little bit about REITs. We had a listener comment on our podcast earlier, a couple episodes ago, and we wanted to go ahead and answer his question. And speaking of answering his question, Andrew has his comment up, and he wanted to go ahead and get us started. Yeah, so... This is from Bart. He says, uh, this was a comment he left on the blog on one of the episodes. He says, guys, love the show. Quick question. What are your thoughts on REITs? They seem to pay high dividends, but is there a catch? So maybe we should start off and kind of introduce what a REIT is. Uh, REIT, it's R-E-I-T, stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. It is basically, like it says in the title, it's a trust and it holds a, usually a portfolio of real estate, uh, different properties. And there's different categories that you can see when it comes to these. Uh, some of them will hold commercial real estate. So think the malls and, and office buildings and the real estate that's attached to those. Some of them do residential real estate. There's other types, which I don't know the nitty gritty on all of them, but there are quite a few different industries around REITs. And so basically they hold these basket of real estate properties and Generally, they hold them and their income producing properties. And then what the owners will do is they'll basically reallocate those. Whatever income comes into the trust then gets distributed to shareholders. So it works like a stock as in you can buy it in the stock market on an exchange. You can see that price go up or down, you get paid a dividend based on what the earnings are. And so it has a lot of similarities to stocks, but it also has some technicalities, which I think we can get into as well. Yeah, they're, uh, they're interesting. They're, they're a different beast, uh, for sure. They're, you know, the valuations of them are a little different than other regular stocks just because of the way that they're set up. 
and uh, you're right on the money about the different types of REITs. And, you know, I've read different things about REITs and some information about them. And, you know, I've seen different blogs and listened to podcasts, people talking about them. Uh, Preston and Stig, two of our favorites, had a great interview. Or I guess not an interview. I'm sorry. They had a question and answer session not too long ago that Andrew was telling me about before we went on the air that they talked a little bit about REITs on there as well, and they had some great comments on the REITs as well. And so uh, there's a lot of great information out there about REITs. And, you know, the thing that I kind of like about the REITs is, you know, you know, I remember when I was a young young kid, my dad told me once that land was one of the greatest investments you could ever have because, you know, it's it's a tangible asset and it's something you can always own. And, you know, being somebody that's not coming from a lot of wealth, you know, having the wherewithal to buy large plots of land to just kind of sit on and, and, you know, try to recoup that money at some point in the future is not something that's really kind of in my nature. And, you know, the, the whole buying the house thing and flipping thing, that's just not me, but REITs gives you the cool thing about them is they can give you a kind of an entry level into, you know, having, you know, a bit of real estate in your portfolio. So that could be another asset class that you could add to your, to your diversification of your, your portfolio. And, you know, there are, the REIT industry has grown by leaps and bounds, especially since the, the 2008, 2009 uh, market crash. And, you know, they've really grown in prominence. And, you know, the last few years, there's really been an increase in investing in REITs simply for the fact that the the yield on those REITs is so extremely high. Uh, one of the things that uh, I know about REITs is that they're kind of the way the governance is set up. So their laws that are set up, they have to contribute, I believe it's 90% of the income they make has to go back out into dividends to the shareholders. So, you know, if a company makes a hundred dollars, they got to give 90, 90 bucks of it back to the investors. So that's a, that's a pretty sweet deal on that end of it. Uh, I know for sure. And I know there's some other aspects of it too. And I'm sure Andrew's probably going to chat about those next. Yeah, it is 90% as the laws are, today 2017 so i mean if you think about that it has some obviously some positives and some negatives a positive being you as a shareholder you're getting a ton of that cash back to you the negative being okay well because they're not being able to reinvest many of these earnings uh perhaps the growth the future growth of the business won't be i'm sorry of the trust won't be as much as as you would see uh, in a business for example so, like you said, it's a great exposure into real estate. I know a lot of people just kind of – there's a big community when it comes to investing in general where you, you kind of just have the two camps where you get people who look into mutual funds, index funds, and the stock market and individual stocks, and then you'll get people who kind of gravitate towards real estate. And so what's nice about REITs is it gives you a nice hybrid of the two and it gives you some of the benefits of real estate without – uh, a lot of the negatives and, you know, to, to, to buy a property and to have to upkeep it and you can do maintenance on it or go out and find tenants. I mean, that's, that could be a full-time job, uh, just in of, in of itself. And it's definitely a complete contrast to buying the stock in the stock market and not having to do any work with it whatsoever. 
what we've seen, and I've written about this in the past when it comes to REITs, is like Dave said, it gives nice exposure to real estate. And so with different asset types, when you think of asset types, think of stocks, bonds, real estate falls in there, currency or gold. Those, they tend to all move in the same way and, and kind of group in the same at the same time. So when you'll see stocks really going up, that doesn't necessarily mean real estate is going to go up as well. And so if you're diversified in different asset classes, now you can have stocks crash tomorrow, but if you have good exposure in bonds or, or real estate and those haven't followed along in crashing, then you kind of have a hedge and you have a nice smoothing out of your real performance and it can go vice versa the other way around. There's also the effect that when inflation goes up, property values tend to go up as well. And so it, it's a nice hedge against inflation in the same way the stock market is because a lot of the property values follow that same relationship. And it's, if if you want to get into REITs, again, shout out to Preston and Stig. Uh, Preston had a really great discussion about how interest rates really affect real estate values. So you have to think the way that the the general person might go about acquiring a property. You have to go out and get a mortgage. And so depending on what interest rates are at the time, if interest rates are lower, it's going to be easier to take a mortgage out. It's going to be easier to come up with capital to buy properties and so that's going to push property values up and the same goes in vice versa so there can be really strategic times to really jump in to REITs but what's nice is we don't have to just like just like we say with the stock market we don't have to have a crystal ball we don't have to get the timing right per se because the REITs have valuations and metrics exactly like a stock does. And so the way that they report their financials and what the income is, what the earnings are, how much assets and liabilities they have, it's all the same restrictions that the SEC holds for public corporations. They also do for these REITs. And so the beauty of it is we can use value investing techniques to find REITs that are undervalued and capitalize and get exposure, you know, get that asset exposure, get locked into deals that, again, kind of like the businesses that we see out there today. One that I really like as an example is um, Simon, and I, I can't remember what the the back end of that is, but when you look around at the malls, right? And, and a lot of the mall properties out there are owned by the Simon group. And so it's, it's a way to kind of get into that space and a way to be a part of those profits that are coming in from these businesses that come in and rent the, the real estate out. So when it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. 
What could Future You do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Again, it's a nice compromise. And if we can use the things that we use in this podcast to decide whether these are great investments, then it can really have some great potential for your portfolio. Hey, you. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Yeah, I agree. They, you know, the the thing that I do like about REITs is, you know, like you were saying, it does give you an exposure to, you know, the different ways that you can invest in in real estate. And the thing that I've noticed when I have looked into REITs, uh, I personally don't have one in my portfolio at the time right now. It's not because I think they're a bad investment. I just haven't found one that really kind of meets my standards of what I'm looking to invest in. But the thing that I have noticed when I've looked into them is if there's a, for lack of a better word, if there's an, an area of the of the um, economy that you're looking at trying to take advantage of or try to get a foothold into, let's say that um, you're interested in something in the healthcare industry. So maybe the, the biochem or the, the biopharmacy thing scares you off because they're so volatile. One thing you can look at is looking at a REIT that would own a lot of, let's say, retirement properties. So places that people go when they can't take care of themselves or they need extra help. You know, there's a, a million of those those places out there, and there's a lot of invest a lot of REITs that hold will hold just those kinds of properties in in their um, portfolio, and so that would give you an opportunity to get into that space by just finding one company. And, you know, 
one of the things that is kind of can be definitely a downside to the REITs is, um, and Preston and Sig talk about this in their podcast as well as with the interest rates. And I know Andrew just mentioned that as well. You know, as the interest rates continue to rise, that can be an issue because, you know, one of the things about REITs, we were talking a moment about the 90% that they have to pay out to shareholders. One of the things that can be scary about REITs is, their debt to equity ratio is quite high. And mostly it's because because they have, it's kind of a function of how they're set up. Because they have to pay so much out to us, the people that are investing in them, the only way that they can, a large part of the way they raise capital to buy other properties is by borrowing money. And so when the interest rate starts to go up, we all know that then that money becomes more profit or I'm sorry, more expensive. And then that could cut into the profits and it can make the REITs kind of a tenuous thing. And I know that Preston is a very conservative guy and I'm right there in with him. And, you know, so with interest rates, you know, in the environment we're in right now, you know, there is the opportunity for them to continue to rise. And that could be a scary thing about getting invested in REITs. And frankly, this will be the test of the investability, I guess, is if that's actually a word, of, you know, of REITs because they have really kind of come to fore, as I mentioned earlier, in this kind of very no interest rate, you know, era that we're in that started in 2008, 2009, when the government started cutting interest rates to try to generate more activity in the economy. And we've really, we're at historic low interest rates around the world. And with that being so low, and with the possibility of interest rates rising again, it'll be interesting to see how REITs perform when that happens, because it really has not really happened since REITs have really come to the forefront of, you know, investments. And, you know, the the real driver for a lot of people investing in these is is the dividend that they receive from them. And, you know, in some cases it could be eight, nine, 10, 15 percent, which is, you know, extremely high. But so it's very attractive, especially with the market being at, you know, all time highs and, you know, people looking for trying to find yield in in any way, fashion that they can. So, you know, those are the great things about REITs and those are some of the scary things about REITs as well. Yeah. And I just love how it has that same compounding interest effect that I always love to have when it comes to dividend stocks. I always talk about finding stocks that pay an income and reinvesting it, accumulating more shares and having the compounding grow in that way. Uh, that's exactly what REITs are doing when it comes to just the properties they hold themselves because these are income producing assets. You know, they're not like you said earlier in the episode, they're not buying and selling. They're not flipping these properties for the most part. Uh, the general theme seems to be buying properties, letting their values appreciate while also collecting those rent checks. So I think that's, that's a really cool feature. And I'm glad you, you brought up dividends because that kind of brings me to the next technicality an important distinction between the dividends you'll receive from a stock and the dividends you'll receive from a REIT is that when it comes to dividends and we we haven't really touched on this hardly at all in the podcast because you know i talk about the say the research e-leather and how it's a roth ira portfolio and a, a lot of us who are just starting out are putting money into our retirement accounts. And so those are tax advantaged when it comes to the Roth. And 
Well, basically, when it, when you have dividends that you receive in a Roth because of the tax advantages, you don't have to pay taxes on those dividends. But you know, if you're investing in like a regular brokerage account, you do have to pay taxes for your dividends. So there are two options when it comes to that. Now, I don't want to bore you with like tax accounting stuff, but there are short-term capital gains, long-term capital gains. Those are the two different taxes when you sell a stock. When it comes to dividends, there are ordinary dividends and qualified dividends. So the ordinary is just going to be, you know, that's going to be a really high tax. So if you're in an ordinary dividend tax means that you're taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. So if, if you're, you know, making a hundred thousand and your tax rates 28 to 33%, something like that. You're paying that tax on your dividend. So that's, that's pretty hefty. Now, if the dividend's qualified, the requirement to make a dividend qualified is that you have to own the dividend stock for 60 days. Basically, there's a hundred, again, I'm sorry about the numbers. There's a 121 day time period. You have to hold the stock for 60 days. Um, the date starts 60 days before the, the ex dividend date. And if you've held it within a 60 day period inside of that 121 window, then, then you're fine and your dividends are qualified. And so you, instead of having to pay your income tax rate, you just pay the long term capital gains tax rate, which, uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's somewhere in the 10 to 15% range. So you're essentially, you know, potentially looking at half or or more of a discount getting ta- your dividend tax as qualified instead of ordinary. The problem with REITs is that you can't get those dividends taxes qualified. They are all ordinary, um, an ordinary dividend tax rate. So it is going to be heftier. It's another reason why in the original article I wrote back in 2013 about REITs is you probably want to buy REITs in a tax advantage account so you don't have to pay these additional taxes that we're talking about. Um, and it's something to keep in mind, but you know, obviously my accountant likes to say this, uh, shout out to Eric, um, nasal from account Lancer, but he's like, you know, if you're paying taxes, that means it's a good thing. It means you're making money. So keep, <laughs> keep that all in mind. But obviously the, the yield of a REIT is very, very attractive. And the payout ratio, obviously we said that by law they're required to pay out 90%. So keep in mind that that payout ratio is going to be at least a 0.9. And so if it's somewhere from a 0.9 to a 1, which means it's paying either 90% to all of its earnings out as a dividend, that that's going to be a lot more acceptable um, in these types of analysis than like a regular stock would be but you also want to apply the same logic in you know a company that pays out more in dividends than it's actually earning is not going to be sustainable and that's something that still holds true even though these rules are in place so some little technicalities some differences here on on the different reits and hopefully you know this kind of brings to light some of the questions and answers some of the things that Bart was worried about as far as personally 
uh, buying REITs myself. I haven't pulled the trigger as of yet. I haven't seen any float through down to my screen, but I'm not necessarily adverse to them. It's just not been something where it's it's been an opportunity that's popped up for me yet. Uh, you know, obviously, you tend to see the higher dividends. Could be you could see it as a catch, and it could catch you by surprise to to use his wording if you're not being diligent with looking at the financials and seeing you know what does the balance sheet look like and and how you know how is the earnings looking over time because you want to see those earnings also growing another thing with the REITs is you're not going to see that consistent dividend growth like you might see a, a dividend fortress company where they're compounding and growing their dividend annually every year because their earnings will likely fluctuate and since they're tied to that 90% payment structure, those dividends will likely fluctuate a lot higher than, uh, than normal. So keep those things in mind, Dave. Uh, I thought it maybe be interesting to, to run a quick like Finviz screen on, on some REITs and just see what we come up with today. Okay. Um, so, um, let's just do like a, a quick kind of Finviz demonstration type thing over, over the air and, and just see. I, I kind of just want to prove that this is just like any other stock and that we can use the tools that we use to analyze stocks, to analyze REITs and potentially find winners and losers. So what's cool about Finviz is it categorizes a lot of these different types of companies through their specifications. So remember before I talked about how there are lots of different kinds of REITs. So Finviz talks about how there's healthcare facilities, hotel motel REITs. I think those are really cool. So actually, no, I I did I did own uh a hotel REIT and that one did fairly well for me, I believe. Uh industrial REIT, office REIT, residential REIT and retail and then there's diversified. So like if I just pick one, right? Like diversified REIT and then I use the same stock screeners that I always do. So if, if we look at something like a PE under 30, uh, price to sales under three and a price to book under three, uh, as of right now, there's two companies, uh, over a billion in market cap that fit this restriction. But like Dave said, um, they tend to have higher debt to equities. So actually this one here, CXW looks kind of interesting because you're looking at a 6% yield. The debt to equity according to Finviz is a 0.97, which I would calculate that number on, on your own. It's not the same way. The way that Finviz calculates debt to equity is not the same way I do. I'm a little bit more conservative, but you know, all in all, this, the CXW looks like it could render further research because it has nice price to earnings, a nice price to book, basically a, a pretty decent balance sheet and a high dividend. So. I would also kind of contrast that with like earnings growth and, and looking at like the long term picture to see if it's, it's really a good buy. Um, looking at, let's say residential REITs, uh, you get kind of the same thing. Uh, two of them really popped up that were of a decent size, but in these cases, the debt to equity are really, really high. So you have a debt to equity of 3.6 and 4.9. Those are going to be the kind of like value trap really volatile the ones that are risked to really lose a lot uh in share price 
because they have high debt levels and little ticks in the interest rate are really going to set them off. Not to mention the risks of going completely insolvent from having too many liabilities on the balance sheet. And then, I mean, you can go through on FIS and kind of look at some of the other options, but what's interesting to me is as I kind of click through these industries, there are some on there that have decent debt to equity numbers. So they're, it's not to say that, you know, all REITs are going to be more risky or all of them are going to be, uh, I don't know, like it's not necessarily going to have any less share price appreciation potential or dividend potential just solely because it's a REIT. You kind of have to dig into the numbers, but understand that it's just like any other stock and you can pull up a 10 K and read through their financials and you'll see a balance sheet. You'll see that they own real estate. You'll see those values fluctuate over time, just as you would a company who has inventories and factories and, and those assets that are on their balance sheet that also fluctuate over time. So hopefully that kind of helps with people who maybe didn't even understand that there is this opportunity where you can buy real estate from, from the click of your computer or people who knew about REITs and kind of were unclear, or maybe, maybe uncertain about whether number one, whether it should be something to pursue number two, how to kind of go about that. So I would say when you're analyzing them, other than the the whole payout ratio thing, don't don't give them any other special exceptions to the rule because you can really get in trouble in the market if you start making exceptions to to companies here and there. I think you should have a solid valuation model and really be using that all the way across with all the opportunities you buy. I agree, and I I think uh, you know he made some great points, and I think it was interesting to look through the just the kind of the different opportunities that you could find out there. And I like what he said about, you know, not lumping everything into high risk, high debt, uh, you know, thoughts, because, you know, as we were uncovering, you know, we found a couple different opportunities there that actually had quite low, you know, debt to equity, which would be one of, you know, normally would be very much a, uh, a death knell for you know anything that I would be interested in investing. So that was kind of interesting for me, and you know I think you know what Andrew was talking about with you know the valuations and everything like that. I agree a hundred percent with him. You know it's um, it's it's good to have a kind of a solid foundation of what you're doing, and then you know just kind of making sure that you're being consistent with what you're doing. I yeah uh, I mentioned earlier how I did hold a REIT, so I was. I did hold uh, ticker symbol SHO, which was Sunstone Hotel Investors. And I met, you know, I got good timing on it, but obviously I bought it at a low valuation. I didn't pull up exactly what my return was, but it was somewhere around like the 20% range. And I must have held nice. it for, you know, about a year or so. So nice. Uh, definitely, obviously, I had a good experience and I guess highly recommend 10 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, I think, uh, I think without, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. I think the, the final thing that I'd like to say about, about our conversation tonight is 
you know, there's a lot of great opportunities out there and there's a lot of great, you know, companies you can invest it in. And depending on what your comfort level is with different risk, you know, uh, aspects of different companies and different stocks that you're looking at buying, REITs could definitely be something that could definitely fit into your portfolio. And, you know, they could be a great way of, you know, adding some more yield to your returns for sure. And if you have any more interest in learning more about them, uh, I will link to Andrew's post as well as uh, the interview that President Stig gave on their show. And additionally, there was a article that I read a few weeks ago from our friend Ben Reynolds at Sure Dividend where he talked about value, valuing REITs and that was an interesting read as well. So there's definitely a lot of great resources out there to help you you know, find the great opportunities in this, you know, asset class and they can help you make a lot more money. So that's awesome. So without any further ado, I'm uh, going to go ahead and sign. Oh, sorry. I'm going to butt in just because okay. I, I have to be technical because I know some people are like that. It was a 27.2% gain and <laughs> I sold it in June of this year. So okay, there you go. Proof is in All right. And go look at the archives of the e-leather if you want to see that for yourself. All right. Well, very well noted. All right. <laughs> I'm glad to get that off my chest. That <laughs> yeah, me too. I feel better. I'll be able to sleep tonight. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys have a great week. Go out there and invest with a margin. Find some great intrinsic value. You guys have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.